Hello, this is Ariana Lenarski, and this is What's Your Deal, the podcast where I read tarot for very special guests. And I'm very excited to have with me today a longtime friend of mine, Mara Wilson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who I've known for many, many years. I mean, her credits are long and varied. <laughs> But you knew me before then, actually. I, I knew, I can say I am a Mara Wilson hipster. Yes. Mara Wilson, of course, is a writer, a former actress, um, a hilarious woman who <laughs> <laughs> I've known since we were in diapers, yeah, basically. pretty much. You know her from Matilda and from Mrs. Doubtfire and from Miracle on 34th Street. She wrote a book most recently called Where Am I Now, which you can get wherever you anywhere, please yeah. anywhere <laughs> hopefully anywhere hopefully anywhere yeah but we first got together at Burbank Temple Emmanuel yeah BTEE yeah Burbank <laughs> Temple Emmanuel yeah and you were a year above me I was a year above Mara in preschool but uh but your brother was in my class yes and we were in love and they were in love yeah um <laughs> he was my preschool boyfriend he was a we... preschool boyfriend uh so it's interesting you know often this is a podcast where we can talk about all kinds of yeah. silly things like yeah. fate or whatever like that yeah. but I, I believe that we have a very interwoven yeah. history yeah we do that is still unfolding I feel yeah it, it really is you know and, it, and I feel like it's it's something that it, it's I don't know I feel like when I'm around you or when I'm around your brother it feels very much like oh right there are people who've known me forever forever and that's <laughs> yeah and that's really interesting and so there's there's this sort of it, it's a, it's, I don't know, it's a very strange feeling, I think, too, because I, I feel like I don't have, I, I, now I think I do, but when I was a kid, I was always, you know, I was moving around so much and doing so many films and all these things that I felt like it was hard to keep friendships, but it's, it's nice to me that I've sort of been able to come back to them later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a really nice feeling. And that's kind of all the Burbank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a lot of Burbank people. Yeah. And this is, we're talking about beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Yes. Which is probably most commonly known for the Tonight Show and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but it's also where we're from. It's where we're from. It's full of strange We things. were talking about how weird it is now to like go to work in Burbank. Like yeah. when I'm recording for Big Hero 6, it's in Burbank. <laughs> and that's so weird to me. Yes. We're recording out of Burbank right now. And it's just imagine going yeah. to your hometown and for work for yeah work. It's, it's super weird odd. and like if i take a look people will be like people will be like oh are you from here where are you where are you going and i'll be like well i'm going to my hometown right now mm -hmm. but it's it's sort of it's sort of odd especially considering burbank's reputation has changed that's true a lot i mean part of me is like it feels more like going to a home planet mm -hmm. like rather than just mm -hmm. a hometown because it's such a strange place to be from it is a strange place to be from it is it is a place that Burbank has always been a little weird and I remember I, I was kind of wondering at what point it would the the ironic hipster the acceptance of it would begin although and I do think and that you there feel like that's happening now yes but I don't feel like it's ironic really I don't feel like there's people being like this is so bad it's good Right. I think people are genuinely appreciating it. And that right. actually kind of makes me happy. People are yeah. like, oh, hey, there are really cool thrift stores here where you can find really interesting things. And there are like five horror and Halloween stores that are yeah. open all year round. And well, it's kind of an undeniable place. Yeah. Right? Like usually when people go to ironic places, it's like exactly what you're saying. Like, oh, this is so bad. It's good. Yeah. But weirdly, because this is a major um like artery of the entertainment industry there are yeah. very talented people who live here yeah so there's all these people that are like excellent at things yet are not like necessarily cool if I, that makes sense yeah exactly well i was thinking yesterday about how like the mascot there's still a ma like there's still this sort of holdover from I know you know, yes, there's still this holdover from when people were first when people moved here and it was it was mostly families working for Lockheed and it was there's definitely and it used to be just like like a retirement town pretty much. And and I mean, my brothers will my older brothers will talk about how everybody they knew was elderly <laughs> when in their childhood. They were the only like young family on the block That's in Burbank. Funny. And I think about how 
how a mascot for the high school is still the Indians. Yeah, that's our high school mascot and yeah. has yet to be changed. Yeah. Which is kind of insane. And and people would do chants and they would do it was it was really, really weird. And it's it's still it's still just kind of like, why is this like why? How how has this survived? And I feel like it's I feel like it's not going to in the next few years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think it's because there's more, you know, like the, the like the, the parents that I know that are raising children in Burbank now are like gay and lesbian parents. Right. And the people I know are, who, who are moving there are are younger and are artists and are this and that. And it's it's still not super hip and cool, but I do think that a lot of these people, I do think that a lot of these people are going to be like, hey, there are some weird things here going on that I don't know if we should still deal with and I don't know if we should still yeah yeah. I mean there's such a normally people talk about like the liberal Hollywood elite but like weirdly the history is quite conservative it's very well people Burbank is a big example of people also don't realize how conservative Hollywood is and not necessarily politically conservative but conservative in the way that it takes chances Mm mm-hmm that it's very conservative. Mm-hmm. It it is very slow to change, and it's always sort of harking back to this earlier time of of the golden era, this era that never really existed. Which, you know, if you listen to, you must remember this. <laughs> it's it's very much. I think people Hollywood is is way more conservative, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they they you know, support Republican causes or whatever, but there's, it's extremely slow to change. It's very much the the same people in charge for a long time. There's, I think, and they're, they've been very slow on taking chances and very slow on Mm -hmm. moving things. I mean, I, I remember just a couple years ago, talking to an agent or talking to somebody and saying, yeah, I have an idea for a show and I have this idea for a show. And he was like, wow, there's female lead characters on all these shows. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, the rest of the world knows these things and they want these things, but Hollywood itself is very slow to change. Yeah. So I think that that's something, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, Burbank is this sort of bubble of conservatism and this idea of sort of never wanting to change and never wanting yeah. to, to grow. And I'm trying to think of what I mean by conservatism here. Well, I think like it is you, much more the it is much more the the traditional conservatism, you know, voting for right wing, you know, yeah. kind of kind of thing. Burbank, Burbank but, is specifically. Yeah, but I think what's really weird about this place is it is genuinely creative, mm-hmm. and I think usually people tend to view conservative or like Republican leaning things as like yeah. no creativity or something. It, but it there has, are people that are insanely talented yeah. and then are like secretly, not even secretly, just like openly right wing. I feel like it's a great place to be a teenage goth. It is. It, yeah. Like I, I always see goths in Burbank and, and sometimes I feel bad for them because it's really hot outside and they're in so many layers and I'm like, you don't have to go full gothic Lolita when it's 98 degrees, you goths, know. Goths, uh, meth. There's drug, a terrible yeah. drug, underlying drug problem. I mean, we're in the San Fernando Valley, so there's also a massive yeah. porn. There is. Like, there's not that much porn in Burbank, I feel no, like. but if there's, you cross it, the, And I feel like Burbank probably the, has. I mean, Burbank has ordinances against, against like, like spitting in public and, like, <laughs> things like that. So I, I think that they probably and, – and tattoo parlors for a long time. You couldn't mm-hmm. have any tattoo parlors. But they parlors. have a gun store. But they have several gun stores. <laughs> so I feel like there's – I feel like there's probably – they probably have like pushed all the porn to the side yeah. and that's in, in Sun Valley. Like, cause the minute you get out of Burbank and North Hollywood, you see, you know, all this these buildings for, you know, XXX video and yeah. all these places. And or so, just these like ranch style homes that are those, those ranch style homes that you, yeah, <laughs> that, that, uh, yeah, that people are always coming in and out of. And you definitely see what it is and you definitely see the, the, you know, renting equipment for the day and all yeah. these kinds of things. And well, it's kind of weird, right? Because I think in small towns, it's very easy for some people to be like, oh, she got pregnant at 16 or yeah. he became a drug addict. But and I think like Burbank had that. Oh, it was yeah. Like, we definitely oh, had the gossip. Oh, we had to, she, you know, her f- father shot her mother over drugs or something. Yeah. But then also there was the chance of like, and she got famous. Yeah. And she it's like it was very weird. It was to this be, weird mix of like of like people having yeah. Of, you can either get like, famous or drop out of school yeah. with a drug addiction. Yeah. <laughs> or both. It, 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 or both. I mean my parents said they always liked it because it was like a little Midwestern town dropped mm-hmm. in the middle of, of LA. But there's something very John Waters about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something where it's very 
it's incredibly kitschy. It kind of knows that it's kitschy. I mean, we have Burbank on Parade every year, which was, you know, which I would like march in with the Girl Scouts. And it was, it wasn't really a small town. It was more than 100,000 people. That's not a very small town. That is a city unto itself. But, but yeah, there is this, this definite like, like there's there's lower class poverty and there's drugs and there's these things and outskirts there's, the wrong side of the tracks yeah the wrong side of the tracks and when we were growing up I felt like there were there were also it felt it felt a bit more economically diverse when we were growing up I feel like now it's become more it's gentrified more and and that is That's sad yeah that is sad but but do you think about what were your, and this is a really kind of a broad question you can ask me to be more specific about, mm-hmm. but you maybe can take it just for what I'm asking. What did you feel your encounters with magical experiences were at a young age? Like how, how did you feel like Burbank expressed itself as like a magical place? And you can take that to mean however that may feel to you. That's really interesting. I, I think I had a lot of magical thinking when I was young. I think the the first... The first time, and, and and you know me, I'm very skeptical as an adult, but I think that the first time I ever felt like I was magical was when I wished for a sister and one appeared. Whoa. <laughs> I never knew that. That's, yeah. That's not what I was thinking you were going to say. Yeah. Wow. No, that was that was the thing. And I mean, my mom had a lot of kids and I, and I, I always, I, I wanted a sibling. I wanted a, and I wanted a sister. I specifically wanted a little sister. And I, I would wish and pray and hope all the time. And I remember when mom was pregnant, I said, I don't care if the baby's a boy or a girl, but I remember thinking to myself, and I did not lie very often, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm lying. <laughs> and sure enough, I got a sister. And I was so happy, and I kind of felt like... You were like, I did this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would even say to people, I would even say to people, I would be like, be nice to my sister. I wished for her. Wow, 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 wow. And Anna and I joke about that now. And because for a long time, I was like, I was like, oh, that's kind of a messed up thing to think. You know, maybe she, she'll feel resentful towards me for being like, for, for thinking that I, I made this happen. But Anna is like a lot more beliefs in the spiritual, yeah. has a lot more spiritual, magical beliefs than I do. So I think yeah. in some ways she maybe thinks that, you She's know, like almost deeply religious, I would say. She's a very, yeah, I would I would say she's always been, there, there are some people who do seem to have, like I feel like some people tend to have like the religious gene or the spiritual thing like to them where where they are these, these and they're just sort of drawn to that and I think I was at a young age, but it was always, for me, it was always about searching for meaning and searching for comfort, whereas mm. other people, I think it is it is just kind of an intrinsic part of them. Whoa. I think for me, I was never really satisfied with it. I think I always had doubts, and I would always wonder, but I don't think that I ever had that like trust or faith that a lot of people do. Hmm. I think that a lot of it was like sort of presented to me as fact, like this is the way that the world works. Right. And I I kind of embraced that and ran with that for a very long time. But I feel like it's hard for me to believe very fully in things. And I don't, I don't kind of. That's I, so interesting. Do you well, think that, go ahead. I kind of don't, I don't even really like the idea of faith. I like the idea of trust. Mm-hmm. And trust is a thing that I don't have a difference? lot of in my life anymore. Well, faith is, is, Faith is going in in spite of evidence, in spite of when there is no evidence or when there is counter evidence, you you still have you faith. You march on. Mm-hmm. You march on. You still have faith. You you believe in it. Trust, I think, is from uh, from learned experiences and from knowing the wow. way that something makes you feel and from you know, perhaps an- anecdotal experiences for all of these things, that is is what trust is for me. It it trust is either maybe it, like requires another uh, uh, entity. Yeah, you know I mean? it, it like requires you, you you build trust in another entity. Yeah, I think so. I think trust is trust has to come from experience. Uh, you know, faith is faith is kind of faith is what you just sort of you you've. Seems watered down. No, faith. Faith to me seems even more so. Like faith seems to me like the the idea of of it's it's it feels like blind trust in kind of a way to me. Mm-hmm. And and some people, unearned unearned trust. Maybe? Unearned unearned yes, but also I know that faith is something that helps a lot of people and and works for them very very well. Mm-hmm. And and so I feel I I I don't want to be one of those people that's just like 
it's stupid to have faith because it's not. It very clearly provides results and it very clearly gives people hope and it very clearly makes people's lives better. But well, faith seems a little weirdly inspirational, whereas yeah. trust, trust doesn't necessarily inspire you. No, but it if doesn't. You have faith in someone, it's almost like there's an inspirational yeah. feeling behind it or something. Yeah, and I feel like faith is faith is sort of about faith is is inherently optimistic, whereas I think trust is a bit more realistic. Right. And and but the thing is, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being optimistic. Right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with. Well, with, sure there is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I think that optimism has a lot to do with trusting yourself and and you know so a lot of the things I do if I have any kind of spiritual rituals I don't have complete faith that they will work but I have trust that they will make me feel better Mm -hmm. and that's the thing and and I think that's the thing too is you can trust faith means just believing that they are going to work believing that they wholeheartedly that they do trust to me feels like in some ways it feels like you don't always know but yes. you, yeah. but you, you trust in the the. It's it's. It's like agnostic versus. Yeah, kind of, and it's more. It's sort of. I don't want to say it's 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 almost consequentialist in a way. I would say for me, uh-huh. where where it's. Um, I mean, I don't like the saying "the ends justifies the means" because that's you know bloody and cruel connotations. But I do think it's sort of like a if it makes you feel better, and if it and how it how it works, and how it helps you i think it's it's that i think is is what trust is to me the 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 consequences are really what matters mm-hmm. so i have a qu- i'm curious about your experiences along with magical magical you know the the idea that you remembering from young age that you're you created a baby sister and stuff yeah. like that but also from a young age you were involved in stuff that people do feel is magical. Yeah. So like Hollywood, and you even were embodying a magical girl. Right. And I'm curious how that affected what you thought about um, impossible things, basically. And did you feel like you were stripped of the idea of magical thinking very early on because of early deaths and because of being in Hollywood and like all this kind of stuff? Like I was actually talking to your brother, I think last year, and we were talking. He and I were talking uh, with with um, one of our friends who, in our book, I call Melissa, I think, and you know who she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, and we were talking about what drew us to each other, because we we very much felt a kinship with each other, and what was it that made us feel that way, and. He eventually said, I think we all knew something. Ooh. And yeah, and, and what he meant was we all had experienced things in our lives that Whoa. made us, that made us, that kind of, and not in a like tragic robbed us of our innocence kind of way, but there was, we had, we had seen or noticed things that we weren't, you know, and whether it was like a parent's death or, or, like I mean, and the thing was because we knew other people who had parents die, who had who had families divorcing, who had, you know, parents who were depressed or going through problems or all of these things. Like, but, but, I think we all just kind of knew too much about it mm-hmm. in some ways, and that was the thing that we we sensed that and we felt that we were we were kind of we weren't mature by any means, but we were kind of tapped into that. We we felt that you know energy for lack of a better term. And we is it similar to that. when you is it similar to when you when you're like this person gets it? And yeah, you don't, like, I think so. What that is, I think so. And I don't think that we really knew what it was. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think we really knew what it was, but we we did it. And I do feel like the three of us in particular. I think that we had other friends in our group who who didn't understand it as much, but they brought other things to the group too. Mm-hmm. But I, I would so say so that for you was more, for lack of a better word, like magical than any work that you were doing. Yes. As an actress or anything. Well, like I think that. so. I think so. And there was that there was this feeling of but but what I'm saying is that I feel like I feel like from from a young age and and I feel like this is probably something that I like if you look at my mother's side of the family, they're all very competitive and they need to be better than everybody. And they need to prove that by being smarter and be by, by being meaner and by being more competitive and to to the point where like 
like my grandmother would like compete with us as children, you know, it, oh, it was, no. it was very weird <laughs> and very, you know, and my mother didn't seem to really like spending time with them and I can't blame her for that. And, and so I think that there was this, but I do think that there was this kind of thing that I had where I felt older than kids my age. And I mean, I was always, I was always, and this is just kind of the way that kids in my family are, like we all, we all are like these born little nerds that like like try to use big words and try to use, and we're not even like necessarily smart. It's just like we we listened in on adult conversations and right. we we you know we we liked to use big words and we liked to know things. Be with and the it was, be with the adults. Exactly, exactly. We were all we weren't sophisticated. We weren't precocious, but we we were like. We were like, I mean, I feel like I was like a boring little adult in a kid's mm-hmm. body sometimes. And so I I feel like that was something that I, I felt in a way. And I do think, you know, I never thought about this before, but maybe in a way that other kids kind of believed in magic longer. And then I, I, that then I did in a way because like I, you know, it, it's like growing up Jewish. I always knew that Santa Claus wasn't real, right. but I would tell my friends he was. And I think there was maybe this feeling of well, you not only tell your friends that he was, you were telling. I was telling you the were whole telling world the that whole he was. World. So yeah, so I think that there was this this feeling of sort of like of like I guess I know things that other people don't. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Not only you were telling, you know, quote telling the story that Santa Claus is real, you were embodying a girl who had magical powers. Yeah, and then was the feeling that you know things that other people don't, that was more, was it more of like, these things are not true? Or was it more like, it's more complicated than you think? I think it was more complicated than that because uh-huh. I didn't feel disenchanted or sad. Right. I mean, I did when I was <laughs> when I was a preteen and teenager, but everybody feels disenchanted and sad when they're right. a preteen and teenager. I do think that, and the thing is though, that I do, I do also think that in some ways, being a child actor kind of inflated my sense of power in oh, a way, which is funny because I felt very powerless when I was at school and when I was at home. And I I started, I, I, I became a control freak and I had really bad obsessive compulsive disorder. And, but I think that there was part of me that, that, and I think, and, th- and I think this is another reason why I kind of shy away from magic and such is because uh, it, it caused me a lot of anxiety. Mm. Uh, it, it caused me a lot of anxiety when I was a child because I would think things like, if I, if I uh, you know, if, if I walk on this crack in the sidewalk, then something bad is going to happen. If I don't, uh, you know, if, if I don't check, you know, my hamster's cage uh, 10 times a night, uh, she's going to get out and die. Mm-hmm. If I, if I don't pray, if I don't count to the certain number, a certain number of times, uh, then my father's going to get in a car crash and he won't be able to come mm-hmm. home ever again. He'll die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there would be things like that. And, um well, it makes sense that you'd have such a conflated idea of how much power yeah, you had. Yeah, exactly. Because weirdly, you may have had a lot. Yeah, of influ- and obviously that's the thing. Had a lot like, I've made things so happen. You know, I I'd gone right. to I met with producers. I'd met with strange. these, and it's funny because I felt so powerless. Yet I had so much power at the same mm. time. But I also think that I I was I was very worried about not being able to control my surroundings because on film sets everything was very regimented and controlled. And my mother was very much a a, um, a, a she was very much a, a woman who was very in control at all times and and without her and without the having a, a you know the the structure of a set I felt completely lost and depressed wow. and I also it was also hard to go from going to you know going to London and to Tokyo and 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 Spain and all these places and I mean the first time that. I, I filmed, you know, abroad without my parents. I was eight, you know? I mean, it was only in Canada, but still. And I, I lived there without my dad. And and I filmed in, in the UK, in Toronto, by myself with no parents or even anybody who was related to me for months at a time when I was 12. And that's why, like... You know, when my college boyfriend came back from studying abroad and he was like, everything's so different. I'm so different now. I was like, fuck off. I lived abroad when I was 12, you know, grow up. And I, But I do think that it felt, it was strange going from these places where I had, I had a lot of structure, but I didn't have that much responsibility to going back home where I had, you know, where we're going to school, like I didn't know how to play kickball and I didn't know right. how to follow the rules and I wasn't, you know, and, and why did I have to ask for the hall pass? And, right. you know, right. like very much first few scenes of Mean Girls. And there's, there's <laughs> uh, you know, that that structure. And I think that 
you know, and all of these things and the loss of my mom and my mom's illness, you know, led me to obsess about germs and these things. But I did become very superstitious and very spiritual, but it was very much a like, like God will never forgive me Mm. if I step on that crack and things Mm -hmm. like that. And if I do this, then this leads to this and the magical thinking. And so I think that I very much turned away from magical thinking later on. And I still feel uncomfortable about some of the implications of it, the like, you know, the, the whole like secret law of attraction kind of thing like that, that kind of bothers me. And I mean, and, and so there is still a part of me that, that shies away from it because I don't want to get into that sort of obsessive thinking of if I do this, this leads to this mm-hmm. and the, the negative kinds of things. And so a lot of times, you know, if I do do anything spiritual or, or, and I also think that there's a scientific basis for a lot of the things that we believe. Like I found, I found a tremendous feeling of peace reading like Carl Sagan in college because I was just like, oh, okay, I, I, there is a reason for a lot of the things that I can't explain. Um, and and so, and so, and and there still are things that we we don't know and we don't know how things work. And there are still weird connections and things that I've had in my life that I can't explain, or things that people close to me have had that I can't explain. And I've I've taken more of an agnostic stance in it, I think, in the past couple years. But I do think that I I do think that I shied away from it for a very long time because it made me uncomfortable and it made me think of the days where I was very superstitious mm. and very out of control. And uh, ultimately, these things should be about bringing peace and and hope to people and it connection and connection. And it didn't do that to me. It made me feel very isolated, very trapped in my own head. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to try to recreate that feeling. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Perfect thing is, though, but the thing is that I can the things that I like the the you know the the quote woo things that I like are things that give me guidance. Like I really like the Enneagram because I feel like a lot of it is sort of is about um, motivations in your life and how how having certain motivations in your life. It's also great for writing fiction characters. Having particular motivations in your life can make you do certain things. Like mm-hmm. my motivation is probably to avoid anxiety because I'm an anxious person. And I so I like that even though that's technically a spiritual thing. And I've always loved tarot cards because it's a tool of focus for me. So there may be some spiritual element to it that I don't understand that there may not be, but but I can appreciate it also at face value because it does give me joy and focus and hope and meaning well let's jump in yes we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to read the tarot of mara wilson okay mara so Mm -hmm. i'm going to pass the cards over to you Mm -hmm. and i'd like you to shuffle them and think about something you would like guidance about oh sure okay oh yes of course okay sorry i messed that up Welcome back to What's Your Deal? I'm going to say that again. <laughs> your deal. Welcome back to What's Your Deal? We're here with Mara Wilson, and we're going to read her tarot. Okay, Mara, I'm going to pass you over my tarot deck, mm-hmm. and you're going to shuffle the cards mm-hmm. and think about something that you would like guidance about. It can okay. be anything, big or small. And um, as you're shuffling, just kind of share with us anything on your mind that's coming up. Um, I was, I mean, I was going to say health because that's been my biggest concern for the past year and a half, but. Now that's interesting because I ethically cannot tell you anything yeah, about your health. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's not, well, the thing is that it's not, uh, the stuff that I'm dealing with is not, you know, do this, do that. Like I know I, I, I am doing already the things that mm-hmm. I'm going to. Hmm. to to do but um maybe we could frame it like what well, do i need to know about my health Does well that seem- i think i think i was thinking about that initially but i think it's more a general it's not a predict the future kind of thing but it's more like it's more like what do i need to know for yeah. the future because um because there's there's a lot of things that i you know I don't feel anxious about the future i actually feel i feel relatively optimistic but i think that um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. I have, I have a couple of thoughts and stuff, but I'm kind of curious to see. I feel like every time I, I get my cards read, there's like something different okay. I, that I'm like, oh, this is what I was actually thinking about. Okay. So maybe we'll just, you'll, general guidance. I, I mean, that's like the way that I talk to where I'll ramble on for 20 minutes and then I'll be like, 
So what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, so yeah. But I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so now we are looking at the mm. Celtic cross for mm -hmm. Mara. Cool spread. Okay. So at the heart of the matter are two um, somewhat conflicting cards. We have strength, which shows a woman holding open the mouth of a lion. Mm crossed by the king of swords who's sitting on his throne in the clouds mm -hmm. with a stern expression holding an incredibly long mm -hmm. saber <laughs> uh, <laughs> and looks very stern and not at all soft like the strength card. Mm -hmm. um, so what this shows me, so strength is always a card about forbearance and is always about patience, usually with yourself and right. with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and feel free to comment as anything that comes up. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, strength. This card strength is not about the lion's strength, really. It's more about her ability to be be um, patient with this animalistic force, if right. that makes sense. So um, a lot of times this card comes up when you're being asked to hold space for your feelings without judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny because I just, I, I came to therapy before I, I did this. You had this. therapy before this? I did, okay. yeah. Oh, it's doubled great. up. I mean, I went to Disneyland <laughs> yesterday, so, you know, mm -hmm. I, had, sure. I had fun, and now today is, you know, today is the reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today is when I hate myself for eating too many churros and Dole Whip. Um, no, I don't hate myself. Uh, there's, there's, but yeah, no, it's funny because that is sort of. Is that what you're talking about therapy? No, tell me exactly what. A little bit. I mean, a little bit was, it was talking about, because, you know, it was talking about uh, how the, the anxiety of trying to avoid situations and trying to avoid uncomfortable things can make them worse and can even bring them on. Mm -hmm. So, so it's it's more about dealing with them as they come and and how you deal with them and how and having to have patience with it because there are things that you just aren't going to be able to change and you don't know how they're going to go. So, you kind of have to play the you can play the what if game and and things like that. Like yes. like um you know, what's the worst case scenario that would happen if you did this? And and that was something that we were talking about today. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, I think, also crossed with this card. The King yeah. of Swords is um, the ultimate, uh, let's see, ruler of the mind, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's very, very, swords always represents mental force. Mm -hmm. So he's very much uh, a objective judge who is concerned with uh, high standards and ethics and mm -hmm. often does want um, a really uh, not necessarily emotionless but wants things to be quite rational I mean if that makes sense so to me it's really funny to see to see these two cards cross to right. have so ultimate basically ultimate love and forbearance and patience crossed with a is this guy patient? Yeah, he's patient, but there's also a stern, you know, he's a pretty stern guy. So to me, in the heart of the matter is almost you asking yourself, how hard am I supposed to be on myself? Right. I think, I think a lot of times I assume that I can think my way out of problems <laughs> because I am very much in my head and I have thought my way out of a lot of things, but, but the thing is, right now, you know, and talking about health, uh, I, I have a health condition that gives me brain fog. Mm. And that is the most frustrating thing in the world to me because when I have brain fog, it makes it hard for me to read, hard for me to write, and hard for me to socialize with others effectively. And those three, three things are my life. Mm -hmm. I, I, one is actually something I get paid to do. The other is something that I and, – and the other two are things for joy. Like if I can't read – very well and if i can't be with other people because i am that thing the internet hates i am an extrovert uh mm -hmm. i don't know what to do mm -hmm. i i don't know what to do and i feel like i don't know who i am so when your body takes over it's yes. a real drag yes it is <laughs> and and it makes me really sad because because uh it it's it's sort of like well these are the things that that bring me joy and bring me you know like actually like bring me money and bring me and bring me stability. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's more about stability. I think mm -hmm. that I think that I'm always seeking stability. Mm -hmm. 
perhaps in a way that doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. Is well, that you're tapping one of them? <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting. Well, the the card in the past position is the Ace of Pentacles, mm-hmm. and Aces are always these opportunities, these really pure doses of their suit. Pentacles is about security and stability. It's mm-hmm. about material force, and it's about the real world. Yeah. Um, and it's it's exactly what we were talking about. The concept that it embodies is trust. Right. Which is needed for any foundation. If that makes sense. Yeah. Any physical or emotional or any foundation requires And that's in the trust. past. Interesting. This is showing that that you have probably stepped into a new part of your life. Right. Where there has been something has been planted in your life and it may not be totally apparent to you yet. Right. But the seed of stability is growing. Right. Um, the seed of feeling secure in a uh, lasting way is is at hand right but it's just not necessarily a fully bloomed thing quite yet i it's the awareness that that is there i do feel like i do feel like in my late 20s it was sort of like a lot of things that i didn't understand just sort of started to make sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it it was it was kind of like oh oh okay i do i I don't have to do this or i do do this and like it was more about listening to my intuition and Mm -hmm. like if i had gotten sick the way that I did when I was 24 or 25, I don't know how I would have been able to handle it, but it, I, it still hasn't been easy. It's been really hard, but I think that there there are some ways that I, I know, even if I don't feel like I'm handling it well, I feel like I know that I know that I am capable of handling mm-hmm. it well. Yeah, there's so. there's a very... What this says to me is that there's at last an actual, there's like a firm foundation beneath your feet. It might not be fully, it's not might be the whole yellow brick road. Yeah. But I do feel, I do feel, you know, that's interesting. I do feel like, yeah, in the past few years, I have, I, I trust in myself more. I don't, I don't hate spending time by myself. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I've realized that I do have a strong intuition that I just don't listen to a lot. And so I need need to listen to that. And I do think that a lot of times, you know, I do get like answers from within and I do, I feel like I know a lot of things or I feel a lot of things already. And a lot of times it's about facing up to those things. And so, Hmm. but, but, you know, when I was younger, when I was younger, I was mad at myself all the time. I hated myself all the time. And like the way that I see it now is a lot of people talk about self-love and such. And I feel like, I mean, love is a very loaded term for me, and I feel like you don't have to always love yourself, but you have to work with yourself. You are your own coworker. I mean, that probably is loving yourself. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, like in some ways, but you don't have to be like I'm the I best. Mean, you don't have to be you happy. Know. You don't have to be happy with yourself all the yeah, time. Yeah, I guess that's. I you guess that's I mean? that's true. But I feel like you you but you, you show know. up for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know and and I do think that it is sort of treating. And maybe this is because, like, I I feel like I I have a maternal streak, taking care of myself the way that I would take care of a child. You know, yep. you don't you don't tell a child you're bad, you're horrible, you're wrong. You say things like, you say things like, you know, I'm a bit disappointed <laughs> in the thing that you did, and and you know, what have we learned from this? And <laughs> that's and I do feel like, yeah, I do feel like that. That's interesting. I do. I I I wonder if it's going to. If, if it's going to, um, but I also worry sometimes because every time in my life where I'm like, I think I'm stable now, usually something rocks me to the core and well, changes, so. Once you have a firm foundation, it can lead way for these major things to break down, if yeah. that makes sense. Like flimsier structures that were holding you up might now fall Yeah, because you're actually in a more secure place so they can fall and it actually opens you up to more grief at some time grief sometimes yeah but in a way you can handle yeah but i do think that i'm looking at these cards that are in your conscious and unconscious they're upside down upside down so the seven of pentacles reversed in your conscious mind so this is what you're aware of Mm -hmm. this is like what you can share when this is upright it's someone who's taking account of their past projects and their past um like work that they've done I always say it's like someone looking at their resume almost Mm -hmm. and kind of trying to get an idea of where they're going to go next based on their past Mm -hmm. essentially and when it's reversed um there might be you beating yourself up a little bit about like I know I should like be more uh 
aware of my strengths and I'm choosing to not look at them right now or something. Do you know what, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Like that's what you may uh, well, consciously that's how I know. Felt. I feel like I've put right. I feel like I've put my whole life on hold the past right. few the past year and a half. Right. I I had all these ideas of things I wanted to do and it's only now that I'm I'm actually you know, I'm learning how to deal but but it's also funny because I think one of the things that being sick has done to me has made me has made me realize that uh, that beating myself up is the wrong thing to do, and yes. and which I always <laughs> knew, but I didn't. You know, that's that's a thing. You 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 know these things. You know, right. you intuit them. You you know them, but but consciously, but you don't put them into practice. Yeah. So that's the thing that I feel like. But but the past you know the past year and a half there have to be days where I I can't write and I need to take a nap mm-hmm. and there have to be days where I can't exercise very hard and there ha- there are going to be days when you know it's it's I have to be easy on myself mm-hmm. I have to excuse myself from a social situation yeah. I have to do these things I have to tell you know my publicist or my manager like hey I can't do this today and people are more okay with it than you think. So I do think, but I do think there still is like a lot of guilt and, and you know, discomfort mm-hmm. yeah. about it. I think, yeah. that's, I, th- I think that speaks to the slight disconnect. So if the right. conscious part is like, gosh, I, I feel like I can't reflect on myself and move forward. Yeah. Then in the unconscious position is the nine of swords reversed. And the nine of swords shows a figure who's sitting upright in bed and there are nine swords above their head. It's like the classic stressed out. It's a card. I remember having one. It's very dramatic. I remember, yeah, I remember somebody saying it meant, this is actually really cute. I had like a, as a kid, I had a, a little doll, uh, like a little stuffed bear that you could dress up. And she had a Halloween costume. And now actually that I think about it, it's kind of messed up. She she had like a, a quote, gypsy costume. Ooh. And that's kind of messed up. That, that was her Halloween costume. But I don't know. It was the early 90s. But I I. I the one thing is that it came with a deck of tarot cards. Oh, cool! And I and loved those and a miniature, like a teddy bear sized deck of tarot cards, which I loved. And I remember staring at this one for a really long time, and it it wrote on the bottom of it, it wrote a bad omen. Mm. And <laughs> I kind of wonder about that interpretation of it. Um, this card represents. This card is here to validate real anxiety. Like this okay. is a, this is a card that it's it's not messing around with you. Yeah. Some cards you look at them and they're like, oh, find your clarity of purpose and you'll be fine. Oh, this is all right. in your head. I mean, of course, problems are in your head, whatever. But this is more saying like, yes, you know what? You are really stressed out. Like, yeah. I want to reflect back to you the true pain of anguish yeah. that you feel. And a lot of times with this card, too, it's not even about being worried about yourself. It's about stressing out about others. Right. The thing that I always find calming about this card is the roses on the bedspread indicate that love is sort of at the heart of all this. Uh, it's kind okay. of because you care so much right. about life and the people in your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be stressing out at all. Yeah. And since it's reversed, there's a sense of, so it's not, it's not just about you, in your conscious mind, you're like, oh, I want to get a move on. Why can't I look at my past and move forward? It's on a deeper level, you're starting to become aware that you're letting a lot of anxieties fall away in a way that they never have and it's very hard to let go of suffering it's like the last thing humans ever Mm want to do is abandon their suffering essentially um and i think you're in the process of understanding how to um that the path to move forward is not just like seeing what what you've made of yourself or something like that and deciding where you want to go next it's also about um reconciling your love and your anguish at the same time into something that is has momentum moving forward okay and a lot of that is about like letting go but that's more latent yeah so the the future position shows a kind of like combination of these two cards it has the nine of wands and mm-hmm. it has a fellow who almost looks like they're in a cage mm-hmm. with all these wands surrounding them. Wandis is always about action and passion and creativity and the life force and all that kind of stuff. And when there's a lot of them, it's like way too much competition within yourself and with others and all this kind of stuff. Mm. He's got a bandage over his head, which often will metaphysically represent that his third eye is like wounded through so much conflict and so much striving. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times with this card too, it's here to say that you've persevered 
Mm. It's always something when this card comes up, this person has like crawled forward almost on their elbows, striving mm. to get to the finish line and is almost defensive about it. Like it, it's like I, I love the expression on his yeah. face because he looks like he's he looks like he's holding the one wand and he's telling the other wands to fuck off. That's exactly what's going on in that card. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, this is mine. Fuck yeah. you guys. Yeah. No, that's he's very much he this card truly is fuck you guys. Like yeah. that's what this card is. <laughs> And, but the pro the problem or the challenge with this card, and this is probably the next like phase of your life essentially, mm -hmm. is he, he has defeated all his enemies. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of you that has to reckon with that. Right. That your enemies have all been defeated. There's no one left to fight. Right. <laughs> so That's, how do you yeah, move forward if, if fighting is not the answer anymore? And uh, it, it, the answer to this card actually is hope and is faith in the kind of stuff that we were talking about. Yeah. Well, it's the idea that, that that the star is still shining in the sky for you to move towards. You know what funny, I mean? That's funny because, yeah, in some ways I feel like I always, I always had, I, I don't know, I never really knew what I was going to be as an adult. I, I never, I, I would have... I don't know, like I, I think that I, there was a part of me that just couldn't really imagine myself as an adult. I couldn't imagine myself as like a functional adult. And and if I did, it would be a very just like boring boilerplate kind of thing that like, you know, was was a, a watered down version of, you know, what my parents had and what people I knew had and so things like that. So it would just be like, oh, I guess I'll go to college and maybe I'll get married and have kids and, you know, maybe I'll have this job, maybe I won't like, I felt like I'd lived so much already that it was almost exhausting to think about the future. Mm -hmm. And and so it's 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 kind of weird to me now to be an adult even though I always wanted to be an adult. Mm -hmm. And uh and so it it is this sort of feeling of like, oh well, okay, well Well, now I it's go like adult 2.0 or something. Yeah, I I guess so. And and sort of like where okay, but where do I go from here and where mm -hmm. do I what do I, you know, Well, it looks like you are where the where do you go from here is opening up to the unknown yeah in a really intense way and that's yeah and that's scary for me i've yeah. never i've never liked the unknown <laughs> i i well this cut i'll sh i'll talk to along the staff so that's the yeah. central part of the cards and this is the staff that can kind of help you out which by the staff i mean the four cards that are alongside right. the other six um so the card that represents you, reverse three of pentacles. So when this is upright, it's usually when you're working with people who are really competent. Competent and or incompetent? Competent. Okay. Um, so it's when you're involved with your own, hmm, co-workers is a good word. It's also like community and right. everyone is kind of doing their part and is very capable and they're all working towards one goal. And when it's reversed, perhaps you don't quite feel like that's <laughs> happening. <laughs> that's, oh God, that is very true because I've been very, I've been very angry at, uh, <laughs> at um, like I had a doctor that I loved in New York, but somebody pointed out to me the other day that like if he or like a hospital had run some tests on me, you know, five years ago, probably a lot of this shit could have been avoided. Mm -hmm. And the, the, um, and I feel like I've been, I've been trying to explain these things to, to, you know, to medical establishments, to, to all of these different people. And people have not really understood it when it doesn't feel like that it's that hard or that complicated for me. And, and so I do feel sometimes like I'm like, I'm like I shouldn't know more than the doctors, you know. I don't I don't like feeling like I know more than the doctors. I don't like feeling like I know more than these people. And that's and that's extremely frustrating to me. It's I think it's frustrating to me sometimes when and I think it's frustrating to a lot of people when your mind doesn't work the same way another person's does because no people's minds work to work the same way. They can walk they can work similarly, but nobody's mind is going to work the same way. And I think that I tend to get really frustrated when people's work minds either work much faster or much slower or in a completely different way than mine do and or, or it's it's that really frustrates me mm -hmm. and and irritates me because it's hard to it's hard to communicate and so yeah, I, I mean, that's essentially I, what's going on. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> frustrating to me. And it's also being fr frustrating about trying to communicate, you know, despite my own limitations, trying to communicate these things and and other people not being able to understand. Yeah. I mean, 
this card represents your environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be some of the confusion. This is the Ace of Wands. Mm -hmm. And it shows a hand that's coming out of a cloud and gripping a wand. Mm -hmm. um, and we already talked about aces as being like extremely pure, doses of their suit, and wands being like the creative active force. Right. So there might be some... But you already have all these wands. Like yeah. we were talking about you as the nine of moving into the energy of the nine of wands. And perhaps when people look at you or when you look at others, they expect some kind of really active and exciting and creative energy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let's make something or let's yeah. do something or let's be somewhere or let's have an experience. And like that may be very exhausting. But, well, you know, of course, it's like aces are great. There's nothing wrong with aces. But. There's I, just a lot of that in your life. You know I what I mean? Feel, it's hot. Yeah, well, it's very no. hot energy. I feel very much like I feel very much like people expect things from me. Oh yeah. And I feel very much like yeah. I'm going to disappoint them. I mean especially it's, Yeah. I it, mean this is this is real in the sense of that it's exciting. Yeah. But it's a lot. I, I definitely feel like people expect things from me these mm -hmm. days and I that I cannot provide and that uh they you know, if, if I guess if they don't think that I'm the worst, they have me up on a pedestal. And, <laughs> and there's no in between. Yeah, there's there's no in between. There's not very very many people who see me as a person. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, I I either they see you as a possibility. Yeah, I, I feel like I either I very much either give off the vibe that I am in complete control or that I am a complete mess or somehow kind of both. I don't think there's a lot of middle ground. I don't think a lot of people really see me as a person and 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 can forgive me for that mm. so people expect wow. a lot yeah so people i feel like people expect a lot out of me either to to either to do great things or to be a fuck up mm. <laughs> so so i i yeah i've i don't feel and i haven't felt for a very long time you know probably because of my childhood that people will see me as a person and i think mm -hmm. that's why like like dating has been hard for me because i'll feel like People will be putting me up on a pedestal, mm -hmm. or they have or, obviously preconceived notions. Yeah, and they and, have to. Yeah, and and I can't trust them when they do that. Mm -hmm. I've had I've struggled with that a lot, where where I'm just like you very clearly have an image of me that isn't who I actually mm -hmm. am, and that's yeah. I mean, it's it's. Do you think? Because I feel like that's. Yeah, it's it's, but I also don't want to complain because it's cool that people, you know, it, 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 I don't know. I I think that people, I mean, there's nothing objectively. Uh, what's the word? Malicious about any of it? Yeah. But it is exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it, I mean, this next card, the Four of Swords, this is your hopes and fears position. Right. And this is the answer to the exhaustion, right. essentially. I mean, this card <sighs> has a figure that's laying so still, he almost looks dead. Yeah. He's in a what appears to be a church. I mean, it looks like a tomb. Yeah, it does. Um. There are f three swords hanging over. He looks peaceful, though. He looks incredibly peaceful because this is the card of complete respite. This is okay. the card of really withdrawing. And it's funny that this is a hope and a fear. Right. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. This is the hopes Oof. and fears position, which are why is, I, I look at it as like the advice for to handle the this next as you move into the nine of wands who needs a lot, uh, needs to drop their defenses basically in order to move forward. This card is here to say it is really time to genuinely reckon with how tired your body is and reckon right. with your physical need for rest and for also wrapping things up. This is very much a card of like wrapping up loose ends because the next cycle is approaching. Right. Whatever that means I feel in your like, life. You know what I mean? You know, it's interesting because I feel I also feel like it it one thing that I've I've like I've I've noticed that I do this. I'll I'll um I'll hang out with somebody or like like I I I'll like go on a date with somebody or something, and I will be in my head all the time thinking exactly how things are going to go. <laughs> I feel like I always narrativeize everything, and I feel like I know exactly how things are going to go, and and. I, it's it's always disappointing to me when I do that because either it goes along with a narrative and I'm disappointed or it doesn't go along with a narrative and I'm scared and disappointed <laughs> and so and that's and that's a thing and and it's unfair you know and the thing is even if something goes exactly as you planned there's always 
there's always this this variable, you know, other people are, are this variable there. And that's, I mean, that's like a classic, classic, you know, drama trope, isn't it? That's, you know, it's Tom Stoppard's Arcadia is about that. No Exit is about that. Yeah. Like, the, the, I don't know. I think there's a part of me that's just kind of like, that like is like, oh, I can sense what other people are doing. I can sense, you know, what they're thinking, blah, 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 blah. I know how situations can go because I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Like like I said earlier, I have been able to think my way out of situations. Mm-hmm. But, but but it seems like this next phase of your life is being open to not knowing how things are gonna go. I don't yeah, that's the thing. I don't I don't like that so much anymore because it, 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 so many times it isn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so many times when it is, I get disappointed and I feel sad, you know, when it's over and I, I need to, I think, I don't know. I, 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 I'm trying to remind myself that narrative is for fiction, which, you know, is an oversimplification, (laughs) of course, (laughs) you know, but like, but like narrative is. How about control is for fiction? Right. Control is for fiction. (laughs) Narrative. I, I, cause the thing is, I'm, I think I compulsively narrativize everything and I'm going to continue to do that. But I also think that I need to not put trust in that because I don't think I don't think that trust is earned mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah. I think that I can I can feel this way and I can make up a story about oh my god I'm gonna get this job and I'm gonna do these things and it's gonna be like this and then it's gonna get really boring or I'm gonna meet this person I'm going to, gonna go on a date with them and it's gonna be like this and we're just gonna this is how we're gonna live mm-hmm. like that's not you know or it's gonna go terribly or something and and but but you don't understand. You don't know these things. No. And so I think I mean, that that's anxiety in some ways. It is. It is. And I think that in some ways it's me wanting to control things. But but I do think that it 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 leads to it leads to like sadness and mm-hmm. it leads to disappointment and it leads to more anxiety. So I think that I think that it's it's important to um, I think that it's important to have these thoughts and fantasies and anxieties but acknowledge them as thoughts and feelings and anxieties holding space for them yeah yeah holding space for them but but and and, then seeing what's really going on yeah but there there's it's funny i i used to listen to this meditation track in in high school or in college that was i think from like duke university or something like it was one of those weird like itunes u kind of things and the man had this very soothing southern accent and he was like and I've tried to find it because I loved that so much. And he says in it, uh, he's like, now I want you to think about your, you know, the feelings in your hands and your feet. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about the sensations around you. And now turn your thoughts. Obviously, I'm, this is like, this is like five times as fast as he was going. <laughs> uh, think about inward about the thoughts and feelings these are neither, he said something like this, this is neither internal nor external stimuli. <laughs> like, or like this is neither physical nor outside stimuli. So basically what he was saying was, you have thoughts and feelings, but they aren't real. They aren't real sensations that aren't existing in the space around you. Mm-hmm. So, so they're happening, but they're not. Right. Yeah. And I, and I've been. It's non-rational. Yes, not, well, not ir- even rational. Not, ir- not, not even because it's because it's not even about rational. I, I think because rational is is a loaded term. I think, but it's just sort of like it's not in existence. What right. you know, feelings are these things, but these thoughts, these these things are are you are you know you are separate from your your thoughts and feelings and such, and you are experiencing them, but you not you are not them. Right, and that I think has it's helped like me a, a lot. Yeah, or yeah, or the like. I know, like they do these in in like CBT and DBT and stuff like that, where you'll do like they'll say like a leaf that falls onto the river isn't part of the river, right? You know, stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something that I think has been helping me yeah. a lot lately. Yeah, I think that's a, very much a part of this card. Yeah, um, the Four of Swords, and then yeah. I think the overall outcome have the reverse Six of Cups here, mm-hmm. and. Uh, of course, and I'm not really surprised that this card came up. This is the card of childhood. Like these mm. are children. <laughs> this is the ultimate innocent card. I, I mean, say, it looks there like are innocence. it is innocence. There are flowers blooming from the cups, and cups always represents emotion, and it represents true love. Right. It re- represents um, feeling really absolved mm. of your past and of your future. It's a very present card. It's about doing a good turn for somebody else without any expectation. It's like an expectationless card, essentially. Um, And 
to me, with this being reversed is more about, it's not necessarily about this being, sometimes when it's reversed, it's about nostalgia in a way that holds you back. Yeah. I don't think that's so accurate. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't, I don't think that's an accurate read for you. No, I I've think, never been much no. for nostalgia. I think that this is more about you. This to me is the way that the seed in the Ace of Pentacles is being planted is actually this new, um, uh, sometimes when cards are reversed, it means their energy is coming into being. And I think there's a part of you that's opening up to true love again. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a romantic sense. It's more yeah, the way that a, a child is experiencing true love, love with yeah. everything around them. Right. And there's and the child has no idea what's the child is totally out of control and yet is right. very uh, emotional and loving and cries all the time and is a, an emotional wreck. Babies are right. emotional wrecks. They and are drama queens. Yeah, they are. But they're you know, but they are very much in tune with what it feels like to be alive and yeah. to love. And I think that's kind of the next phase for you is opening up to these more intense emotions, uh, both as the child and as the adult at the same time. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's very interesting overall as a spread. Does that resonate? Yeah, overall? it does. It definitely does. I think that the, yeah, that's. And it's I very think, sweet. Yeah. Well, I think there's also, there's also this part in my life that has sort of uh, snuck. Is it snuck or sneaked? I never know. Um, snuck? I think I'm not sure, but but it's 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 crept up on me. Let's say that where I because there were like there were times like I would take care of children when I was in you know my early twenties and I would feel good about it, but there was always this nervousness of like what if I screw them up? What if I do this? What if I what if I'm wrong? But like there's more of a of a thing in my life now where I can care for others in a nurturing way without as much of that anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not necessarily like, you know, like literal children, but it, it's taking care of other people in a way that feels good, I think. And, and, uh, and, and being, I think, more comfortable. Like I never liked, I always, it's not that I never liked it, but I struggled with being somebody that people looked up to, I think. And, and so, but now I'm finding that there are people and there are people who know me personally who do look up to me in a way. And I I feel like I'm in a better place now to be able to be that person for them, to to let them have that trust in me. Mm -hmm. Because before I would have always been like, why are you looking up to me? I'm a screw right. up. Why are yeah. you why are you doing this? Yeah. And this and, is from a place of self love. Right. Yeah. So and and being being much more accepting of myself and and listening to that intuition has led me into a place where like where like I'm actually going to tell you a very funny uh, Burbank specific story okay. after this about I might have actually told you it before, but it involves like being a mentor to somebody mm -hmm. in a way that you know you didn't expect, but is like a good thing to you. And uh, so I think that there's, I think that there's there's that, and there's also this idea of like, um, I I trust myself a lot when I'm taking care of other people. Mm. And that's funny because like, like I noticed when I, so uh, a few months ago, my sister and I took home a kitten that uh, it was a stray cat that uh, they, we went to, into, we went to, an, into a pet store and, and you know, I don't believe in that things are like meant to be, but it kind of felt like that. <laughs> so we went into the pet store and we had, we saw uh, this sign up that said like the, one of the women who worked there said, we found a kitten and he needs a home. It wasn't like they weren't selling animals, but they, they he, she'd rescued a kitten that needed home. And it was a little black and white tuxedo cat with little white paws. And that is my sister's dream cat. <laughs> she, she has always said, like, I want to have this kind of cat exactly. And we met him, and he had the exact kind of personality that we wanted to, where he was very friendly, but also adventurous and sweet and very cuddly. And, uh, and we took him home, and I noticed you know, I'd been feeling, I've been feeling anxious. I've been feeling ill. I'd been feeling exhausted. But when I was taking care of him, I didn't care that I had to get up in the middle of the night to check on him. I didn't care that I needed to, you know, wash the fleas off him. I didn't care that I needed to, you know, give him eye drops. I didn't care that I wasn't getting as much sleep. It was very much just like, this is what needs to be done. And I am getting unconditional love out of it. And he is a very loving, very sweet little guy. And so it was this feeling of like, oh, I, I can do this when there is like love and trust mm -hmm. involved in it. And can that be applied to yourself as well? 
That's the thing. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna have to. Yes. I feel like I I, I have oh, that was to a very that, that was a leading question on exactly. My end. I mean, no, but I feel like I do feel like I have to. There's there's, you know, because people will say to my they'll say to me like they know that I'm close with my nieces and nephews, and they'll be like my nibblings, and they'll be like, would you say any of the things that you say to yourself to them? And I'm like, no, I would probably like. I would I would yell at anybody who said those things to right. to them, you know. Uh, it, it, and so I would be tempted to get violent, and right. so so that's something that yeah I think. Well, I have faith <laughs> that you'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> Mara, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. This has been really fun. And Is there anything you would like to plug or? Where can people follow you? Uh, you? you can you can follow me on Twitter. Although, like, believe it or not, I'm spending less time on there these days. So I'm spending wow. you know 20 hours a day there instead of your... instead of 23 hours a day <laughs> abandoning my post. Yeah, no, I've I found and that this is very much an Ace of Pentacles thing. I found that I need to spend less time on there because it's just so anxiety provoking. Right. Uh, but I. Uh, you can also follow my writing. I update usually weekly, sometimes more than that. Sometimes when I'm traveling, a little bit less. Uh, my uh, Substack subscription newsletter at mara.substack.com. Uh, I it's called Shan't We Tell the Vicar because I always close with a fake <laughs> British TV show title. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, that tweet thread. Yes, just things like like uh, you know, where's me jumper Julia and uh, and uh, you know, juicy bits and uh, a farewell to Humberside and. Uh, and uh, celebrities shouldn't be colors and ties. Yes, celebrities shouldn't be running a surgery. Uh, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, these are these are my some of my favorites. So uh, I do that, uh, and I, I share a lot of stories about uh, about my past and the future and funny things in my life. And uh, yeah, you can you can follow my writing there. Amazing. This has been What's Your Deal? Be sure to subscribe, review, and rate wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Ariana Lenarski, and we'll see you next time.